In Psalm 142, in verse 4, we read, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. And then perhaps the saddest statement in all of the Bible, the verse ends with, no man cared for my soul. It's pretty sad, isn't it? It's a sad statement to think that no one cares. No one cares for my soul. Right now, somewhere in the world, perhaps very close to our own community, there's probably a young person who is careful, that is anxious, worried, maybe about his image. Maybe he's anxious over peer pressure. Maybe he's concerned about a need for acceptance or maybe even concerned or anxious over the purpose of his life. Sometimes even young people can start to ask, why am I here? You know, what's the purpose in life? And sometimes they'll give up hope and they fail to see a reason for living. Somewhere right now, there's probably a young couple who's careful or anxious over, well, maybe just trying to make ends meet financially. Maybe just trying to keep the bills paid, you know, and keep the wolves away from the doors, we say. Maybe they're anxious over, over job choices. Should I change jobs? Should I take this other opportunity? And maybe they're having difficulty as a parent, you know, just family difficulties, parent, parenting difficulties, and what should I do? And, and they're looking for wisdom to make the right decisions, and they're anxious with all of those things. And, and maybe they're simply anxious even over managing their time. It's interesting to me that compared to the way people lived years ago, we have all of these time-saving features. Time-saving devices where we can do things quicker and more efficiently, and yet people have no more time than they used to. Probably, perhaps, in some cases, they actually have less. But maybe there's a middle-aged person somewhere. And, and notice I'm not, I'm not trying to put any people in a particular group because you can decide which of these ages you fit in, I, I guess. But maybe there's a middle-aged person somewhere, and they're careful also. They're anxious. When I talk about care, I'm talking about... Uh, the cares of the world, being anxious now, being worried perhaps, but maybe they're, they're anxious over their job security. Am I going to still have a job, you know? What's going to happen with that? Maybe they're anxious over retirement in the years ahead and as they're trying to prepare for that. And Sometimes people can be anxious over an empty nest, you know, as, as the children grow and leave the home. Now what's life going to be like when it's just uh, just us here, I suppose, and, you know, the children are gone. And, and somewhere right now, I'm pretty sure there's an older person who's feeling some care and anxiety over different things that are happening in his life. Maybe a, maybe a loss of health, They're facing different issues with that. Maybe a loss of loved ones. They've lost someone very close to them, and now they're having to go through that and deal with that adjustment in their life and the whole grieving process and and uh, maybe they're losing their independence and having to depend on someone else more just for the, the simple activities of life, you know, and they, they've lost their abilities in some ways. But think about all of these things that people may face in different stages of life. There's struggles. There's care. There's anxieties. And now think about how much more difficult each of these situations become if you start to think no one even cares. It's sad to say that, isn't it? No one even cares. Here I am struggling, having difficulty, going through this, and everyone else is just going about their daily life and doing their normal routine, and no one cares for my soul. Well, that's a sad statement. 
But it's not really a true statement either. Because I'm convinced that there are people who care. There are people who care, but more than anything else, God cares. Sometimes we sing a song, does Jesus care? Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. In 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, we read, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The idea of casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. From 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Now, is this idea of casting all our care upon God sometimes easier said than done? It's easy to say that. I mean, it's easy to say just cast your care upon God. And is that sometimes easier said than done? Well, I believe it is. I believe sometimes it can be difficult to do that. But I also believe it's expected of us. I believe God expects it. Uh, In fact, I think more than expects it, I think God wants it. He He wants to help us through our difficulties in life. I think it's expected of us. I think God wants it. And I think really it's necessary. Notice in, we're told to cast our burdens to God. Cast all your care upon Him. The word cast there has the idea like to throw upon or to throw out. And it also indicates a once for all time action. In other words, I've taken this anxiety and I'm, I'm casting it upon God. I'm throwing it upon Him. I'm giving it to Him once for all time. But notice the verse also tells us, cast all your care. All your care. Sometime we uh, maybe go to God in prayer and seeking help with certain things that seem too difficult for us to handle. And I need help with this. But the scriptures teach we're to cast all our care upon God. Everything. I don't... There's certainly nothing too big for God to handle, but I don't think there's anything too little either that he doesn't care about it. There's nothing so little in our lives that it's insignificant to God. And so remember, we're mindful even of Genesis in the 18th chapter. You remember what happens in Genesis, the 18th chapter. Sarah hears God tell Abraham that Sarah is going to have a child. And she's thinking, how can this be? I mean, I'm, I'm up in years, you know, and... I don't have a child now, and she's given up all hope or expectation of that. And so when she hears this, you remember how she responds? She laughs. I'm not sure that she laughed out loud even. The Bible says she laughed within herself, as if that's simply what she's thinking. She's laughing, but nonetheless, God knew it, didn't he? Uh, whether, whether she laughed audibly or simply within herself. God knew it. and God knew she laughed. And that shouldn't be surprising because even if she didn't laugh audibly, the Bible tells us God knows the hearts and thoughts of all men. But what is really significant in this is when she laughs, God's response is anything too hard for the Lord. At the same time appointed, or at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. In other words, God says, listen, I said this was going to happen. Now, I, Sarah laughs, and God's response is, I said it was going to happen. <laughs> it is going to happen. Laugh if you want. Disbelieve if you want. 
But it's going to happen. I said it was. But also in Genesis 18, very significant when he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? You think about all of the cares and the anxieties people can have. We've gone over some of those earlier. Different stages in life. People are anxious about something. You know, they're worried about something. They've got a lot of care on their heart over something. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, is anything too hard for the Lord? What do you got going on in your life right now that's just too big for God to handle? I mean, it's just too hard for God to handle. Not even God can take care of this. Well, there's no such thing. Is no such anxiety you have. No such care that is just so big that God can't handle. And then the second point, really, we're getting our points here from the word cast, C-A-S-T. Number one, commit your burden to the Lord. But second, ask for God's help in prayer. How many times do you hear people say, you know, when all else fails, pray. Well, don't wait until all else fails to pray. And again, pray for the big things. Pray for the little things. Pray for all things. But think about Jesus and how many times he prayed. Think about the times that Jesus went to his Father in prayer. Now Jesus is nothing less than God in the flesh, but yet he's living here on this earth as a man. And Jesus realized the need for prayer, and Jesus realized the power of prayer. Now if Jesus realized that, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we realize the need for prayer in my life? Look at Psalm 4 and verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. But notice the verse starts out, Hear me when I call. Oh God, there's also a beautiful song with pretty much those same words there. Oh, hear me when I call. The writer there is pleading for God. Hear me. Hear me. He's got these thoughts in his heart. He's got this anxiety. He's got his care. And he knows that God does care even if it seems to him that man does not. And so he's pleading with God. It's what he's doing here. He's pleading with God. Lord, hear me when I call. That in itself is a beautiful prayer, is it not? Is it possible that sometimes we neglect prayer? Sometimes we don't pray to God as we ought because sometimes we fail to appreciate the power in prayer. Notice we read earlier, humble yourselves under the, not just hand of God, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under the powerful hand of God. Humble yourselves under the hand of which there is much strength, unlimited ability in fact. Well think about when we're praying to God, we're praying to this very same God who literally creates the world from nothing. That's, that's hard to fathom, isn't it? Man can take something, a piece of clay or something, and, and mold it and shape it and change it into something beautiful. But imagine God creating the world by speaking it into existence from nothing or out of nothing. But we're praying to the same God who did that. We're praying to the same God today who parted the Red Sea. We remember as we're reading about his people as they're being delivered from their Egyptian bondage and they cross the Red Sea, 
Bible tells us, on dry ground? Who held the waters of the sea back while they were crossing? Who was it that allowed them to do that? Think about this. You're holding the waters back, holding the sea back so that they're able to cross. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? But yet we're praying to the same God that did that. We're praying to the same God who allowed Elijah to raise the widow's son from the dead. We're praying to the same God who fed the 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. And we're praying to the same God who caused the lame to walk and the blind to see. Now, I know God is not going to help us today or, or work today in, in miraculous ways. I understand that. And I'm not going back to these things that were miracles to try to say that's how God works today. God God works through His natural laws. But when we look at these things, we do see the power of God, do we not? And even though God works in different ways today, He is no less powerful than He was then. The mighty hand of God, we're told in 1 Peter 5, 7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we're praying to that very same God. We're praying to the very same powerful God with the mighty hand of God. And we don't need to ever neglect the power of prayer, the purpose of prayer. Well, number three, we're looking at the letter S, and we see there that we're to search the Scriptures. And you see, well, how can that help me to search the Scriptures? How can going to the Word of God and reading that possibly help me with my care and anxiety? Because all throughout the Scriptures... I'm reading story after story after story. Now, when I use the word story, I'm talking about a, 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 an account of a real event. I'm not talking about a made-up story. We're, we may call it a story, but I hope we understand we're talking about an actual event. So when I say story, I am simply mean we're reading a record of that real event with real characters. But we're reading story after story. Let's say we're reading incident after incident of people who were going through some kind of difficulty. Read the Psalms and you'll see over and over again about how David uh, prayed to God and, and God was able to strengthen him and enable him in his time of need and care and anxiety. You read time and time again in the Bible though about how God was there for his people. Well, you also read about you are one of his people. And so God has been there for his people in the past. God is going to be there for us today. Look at Romans 15, 4. Whatsoever things were written aforetime. Now the New Testament hadn't been written at the time Paul wrote that. I mean, he was writing the New Testament. But all of it hadn't been written. So when he says whatsoever things are written aforetime, he's talking about the, the scriptures in the past. The Old Testament. He said, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. See, when you read these Old Testament scriptures, you need to learn something from this. But don't just learn history. Don't look at from that, simply from that point of view. Notice he says, for written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So now when I'm reading the scriptures and I'm reading about the way God takes care of his people, then I have comfort in times of care and anxiety and I have hope. So I don't have to live a hopeless life. Oh, how sad that would be. Oh, how discouraging and depressing it would be to simply have to go through life with no hope 
hopeless. But yet Paul says, when I read the scriptures, I'm able to have that hope. But lastly, look at the letter T, and we're reminded simply, when we've done all this, trust God. Trust God. Because He really does care. Trust God, meaning rely on Him, depending on Him. Trusting Him to help you through it. Casting all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Now the Bible tells us that, and certainly we can trust God's Word, so we're going to trust God. Trust Him, rely upon Him, depend upon Him to help you through it. You see, sometimes men, even with good intentions, will disappoint us. It happens. Sometimes humans will let us down. Sometimes humans may even betray us, but not so with God. That's not the case with God. Look at Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 26. Such a powerful text, I believe, if we really look at it and consider what all is being said. In Lamentations 3, verse 21 through 26, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies, merciful God. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. God's a compassionate God, and the Bible tells us His compassions fail not, meaning they don't cease. They don't stop. They don't bring disappointment or discouragement, but rather He says, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now there's another beautiful song too, isn't it? Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Notice though we're reading, they are new every morning, his mercies and his compassions. He says, great is thy Faithfulness, And it's not talking about our faithfulness here. It's talking about God's faithfulness and the fact that his compassion and his mercy never fails, never ceases. You know, all the times we'll talk about our need to be faithful to God. And that's obviously correct. We need to stay faithful to God, always be faithful to God. But the writer, Jeremiah, is reminding us here in Lamentations, God is always faithful to us. Now think about it. Why would we need to be faithful to an unfaithful God? Why be faithful to a God whom you couldn't depend on? Why be faithful to a God that you couldn't trust? But Jeremiah said, oh no, you can depend on Him. You can trust Him. You ought to be faithful to Him always because He is always faithful to you. And when you talk about God being faithful to us, God is going to do what He says. He is truly one who can be trusted. No wonder we read in Proverbs 3, there in 5 and 6, He says, trust in the Lord half-heartedly, partially. He doesn't say any of that. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into thine own understanding, and in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and he will direct your paths. You know, that's a beautiful verse, and I like the way it reads. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's King James. But how would we try to paraphrase that verse today? How are we going to take that verse today and put it in our own language, in our own vernacular, make it so simple? What's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 really saying? 
and quit trying to figure out everything for yourself. Quit trusting on your, upon yourself to find the solution in life. Quit trying to do it on your own. Quit trying to figure it out for yourself. That's why he says, lean not into thy own understanding. But in everything we do in life, whatever it is, whatever your care, worry, or anxiety is, in everything you do in life, trust God. Lean upon Him. Rely on Him. And He will help you through it. Rely on Him. And in a providential way, He will direct your paths in life. He will guide you throughout life. You see, does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Does Jesus care when my way is dark or the nameless dread and fear as the daylight fades and the deep night shades? Does He care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? And for my deep grief, I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks? Is it all to him? Does he see? And lastly, oh, yes, he cares. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares.